Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day everyone. Our guest today is Karisa Van Bollen, support specialist at Hotjar. I'm sure many of you already know about this company Hotjar. It gives the big picture of how to improve a site's user experience and performance or conversion rates. So, welcome Karisa to Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Thank you. Hi. Hi, great, great. So, it's really great to have you here. Um before we get jump on to the questions, please feel free to introduce a bit more about yourself and I'm really eager to understand uh the nature of your business uh, because it sounds really interesting. Yeah, of course. Um I've been with Hotjar for about 3 years now. and i would just got into the documentation manager role for the past 2 years and you pretty much you pretty much nailed it with hotjar um, when you were explaining it it's a behavior analytics software and it makes it easy to go beyond traditional web analytics to really understand uh, what the users are doing on your site so you get more of an insight um rather than just the quantitative numbers or sorry qualitative numbers so Yeah, I mean we've I've been like I said here for 3 years now and the documentation when I started um didn't really have an owner and it was one of those situations where I just kind of jumped in, you know. <laughs> I saw the opening and I was like let's do it. <laughs> let's let's take all this documentation and wrangle it a bit. Fantastic. Great. So I know you just jumped into this uh, role of documentation manager, but um, how did you feel about the shift from a support specialist to a documentation manager? So it, it was pretty natural, I think. And I, I find it really interesting when I talk to other people and other documentarians, documentation managers, that a lot of their content will come from support. um especially like when you look at the KCS method all of the content is coming from support and so i think it's really it was really important for me to have that experience working face to face with their users so that i knew firsthand what what the issues were you know where where the learning curves needed where the learning curves were where um where we were lacking for explanation um and you you see that a lot especially if you just look at tickets that come in, in general so you can see that you know oh last week we had a group of 80 tickets about this particular installation process so that already is a red flag saying okay we need to work on that particular installation um content so it's i find it 
I, I do find it very common or more and more common that a lot of the documentation department or team does live within the support department of a lot of startups uh, or tech companies. Fantastic. Great. So uh, what's your uh, documentation process? How do you how do you um, manage your documentation and who do you normally involve along with you in creating such processes? Mm-hmm. So our our structure kind of is also relies on the rest of the team structure at Hopper. So we have so we're we're built into squads, uh, and each squad is built up of project managers, marketers, um, developers, and uh, they meet together separately rather than the traditional. You know, all developers meeting together, all product managers meeting together, and they'll be they own a certain part of Hotjar. And so what we decided to do was I, it's me currently, and then we have tribe writers. So they're the ones that we call them tribe writers, um, but essentially they're assigned per squad and their sole responsibility is to, you know, attend the meetings, you know, learn what's going on, learn what features, have their input because all the writers on our team are also support. So uh, they do their support full time. And then during project time, that's when they work on the writing. And so they'll go to these meetings, these scrum meetings, retros, and they'll learn what features are being built. They'll learn, they'll actually even have their input. So if someone's saying, hey, we need to build um, this great new feature, you know, they they have the voice to say, hey, you know what? No one has requested that, but I have an idea of something that has been requested. And so it really puts the voice of the user, um, the voice of the customer into those conversations. And so... Once that conversation is had, um, they just hit the ground running at that point. So they start kind of planning out, okay, you know, well, we will need X amount of documents. Um, we'll need, you know, a how-to, we'll need an FAQ, maybe even um, a guide for the specific setup. And they will be the ones that write it. And they'll come for us for feedback if they need it. Um, the technical review is owned by the team that the squad that it's working on. So one of the developers will look over to make sure that it's all technically sound and it's correct. And from there, they'll send it to another writer, um, someone different that can look over and make sure, you know, compared to our style guide, make sure that the writing's there and ultimately just making sure that they can understand how this new feature is going to work. Um, we want to just make sure that the understandings are from the beginning and from there it's published and hopefully well accepted if, uh, we planned it out correctly. Um, but it's, it, we found, we found that recently since we've moved to that squad structure, uh, it's essential that we're in from the beginning. And I mean, it's a very common, it's a very common theme within tech companies where writers are technical writers are struggling because mm-hmm. their uh, product the product member or a developer will come to you and be like oh you know what um we're gonna release something in five minutes but you don't need documentation and you're just sitting there like no 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 we uh we have to do- update update a bunch of documents right now so it is this is a big deal yeah <laughs> um there's, there's always that disconnect um yeah, so it, it, this helps kind of close that disconnect a bit. It's still there. It's not perfect, but 
it definitely helps close that gap of understanding of we need to know as soon as possible. Fantastic. Fantastic. It yeah, sounds yeah. very uh, detailed and structured as well. So um, so how long does it normally take to get your documentation um, released? Um, um, because it looks like you've got a very, very well structured and uh, managed process. Um, so that's why I'm very curious to understand the timelines as mm-hmm. well. It it really depends on what we're building. Um, if it's we have what we have done is we've kind of given an estimate to the team in general, and we say we have a like a table, a chart on confluence, and it kind of goes over depending on whether it's high or low priority. Um, if it's a medium, small, or large document, if it's just a typing mistakes, we kind of give an estimate of how long it would take. Um, but typically for like feature rollouts, it it relies mainly on how how long it takes them to build the actual feature. But if it's something where they're saying, okay, you know, if it's a, if it's a perfect world and they'll be done with the, with the feature while we, as fast as we're writing, mm-hmm. I would say maybe about two, two weeks uh, to make sure that, you know, we'll write the first draft. We'll, they'll show us the, uh, the, version one of the feature um we'll take a look make sure that our documentation lines up to it and then you know there's always iterations on version one of what the developers are building so there's going to be iterations of our documentation um but relatively relative like we're we haven't had any bumps yet where they're waiting for us um we're typically ready to go when they're ready to push that live button um so I guess I'd, yeah, like if it if it was the perfect world where our writing was lined up with their production, it would probably be about two weeks mm-hmm. to write the documentation, get it all set up and published. Fantastic, great. So what what are the important factors to consider uh, when creating such a documentation, especially for a SaaS business like yours? Know who you're writing for. That's that's the biggest one for us. So. I found that if you really, if you look, pay attention to marketing's personas, um, I'm sure everyone else's marketing team, they're very, you know, they're doing the research constantly. They're finding different ways to use the tool. That's literally what they do every day. And so it's really important to pay attention to the personas and to the people that they say that they're focusing on in their marketing work because that those are the people that are actually using your tool or they're using your product. So, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our clients are e-commerce. So we know that when we write the documentation, we want to have the e-commerce user in mind. So kind of put yourself in their shoes. Like if I was an e-commerce, if I was working in e-commerce, you know, what kind of documentation would I want to see? Uh, another issue or not issue, I guess. Yeah. Is that because we're, semi-technical tool um it, we our levels of understanding range from you know just set up and go and then we also have more advanced setup where you can get javascript involved and so 
um, we also have to kind of sit back and say, okay, what this particular document I'm working for or working on, is it the person who is just signing into our tool and using it right away? Or is it the person that's going to be setting up all those advanced features for that person? And so you really need, we try to make it as clear as possible once you start reading the document of, you know, this is an advanced document. This is advanced setup. Um, if you need the, if you need a particular feature set up, reach out to your web developer and show them this document so mm -hmm. that the worst, the worst thing that can happen, and it's not even the level of understanding. It's, I know for me personally, if I'm reading something and I can't understand it, I'm going to get upset because I, my first thoughts are, why can't I understand it? Is there something wrong with me? Why is this difficult? And so it's really important to let it know, let it be known up front that no, it's totally fine that you don't understand this document if that if you are not a web developer or it's totally fine if you are a beginner and you don't understand this document so that there's if there's no negative feeling as you're trying to read through that documentation fantastic so yeah. that, that's great um so i think you you put the customers first and you you really want to see how customers would um uh, receive your documentation so i'm sure this this next question is going to be very easy for you to answer too so what <laughs> role does documentation have in your customer success or uh, service strategies yeah so that's yeah that's pretty <laughs> pretty fluid actually um we we want to have self-service as much as possible for the user. And it's not, you know, some sometimes self-service is kind of focused for like, oh, let's reduce ticket numbers so that we're reducing ticket numbers. But that's not really our 100, that's not our aim. I mean, obviously it's great to have lower ticket numbers, but that's not really what 100% we're aiming for. We, we want self-service to be increased because we want those answers to be answered right away. You know, you don't, you want the user to be able to, keep going and keep using the product and keep getting the insights that they want to get um, without having to wait for a reply or wait for um, help. So whenever we uh, create the documentation, it's highly linked within our support tickets. So support are really on board with um, writing replies to the user and also explaining how explaining how to fix their problem but then also attaching documentation and so what that does is you know you have the you have the support agent explaining it and then you also have the user being able to rely on a step-by-step -step guide or whatever the documentation is to complete the task and then they also have that tool for next time so it's kind of like their secret weapon for next time whenever they're about to try to do something new on their um, on our tool or they're um, wanting to gain more insights in a different section or use a poll rather than a heat map or different aspects of our tool they they say oh you know what last time they sent me to the knowledge base and they sent me this document and um, maybe I can search there or maybe I can see if there's a guide to use a different aspect of the tool and it, with that you know, that's that's already setting them up for success without having to wait for any additional help um, and feel like that it, you know, have that, po that, that positive feeling. You know, you want them to have that positive feeling throughout the entire process of using the tool. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Um, so uh, you did already mention that reducing the number of support tickets may not be one of your factors to consider quality documentation. So how do you normally um, measure the reduction in workload uh, once you introduced a quality documentation? So we... I, I guess, are you talking about like stats or... 
Yeah, so how do you, or what kind of reduction in workload have you seen uh, since introducing your quality documentation? Yeah, so what we as a team found that looking over the documentation that was already there when we first started or when, when actually when I personally first started, um, there was a lot of content that was repeats, um, duplicate even duplicate paragraphs and other that are like repeating documents that just seemed that there was too much there to search through. And so we, we did a audit on the knowledge base and just reduced a, a lot. I think we, we archived about a hundred and something documents and then just really improved what was there and made sure that it was structured that if anything was reused or we did repeat information on one or two documents that it's <clears throat> it's linked so that it's noticeable and essentially trying to get to that structure of reusing content um, and structured authoring. And with that, it's helped us with creating new documentation and updating our documentation uh, immensely. Like I can't even explain it to you. Like we, we had a backlog call yesterday where we kind of groomed the backlog in Jira of any requests we have for documentation. Mm-hmm. And our, I've never seen our backlog so thin in my entire life. Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and being able to, you know, trying to get out the, the rubbish, get out the trash, get out the rubbish from the, uh, what, what's currently there and it does take a while to go through the entire knowledge base and it does it does take a lot of effort and manpower to go through each document and see if it's necessary looking at the the google analytics of it you know looking at how many people are interacting with it seeing if any tickets are coming from that particular document and saying okay we need this we don't need this but being able to have that structure and making sure that you're as lean as possible just improves any new work that you have to put on the table um, and that backlog kind of proves it to me. Like we, yesterday, usually we have about 45 minutes for that backlog call and we were done in like 10 minutes. We're like, well, this is weird. Um, <laughs> so I'll talk to you guys later. You know, it was just, it was a really quick call because that backlog is just getting prettier and prettier, honestly. Very nice. Very nice um, to hear Carissa. Carissa. So, Super. So uh, I think uh, you have um, answered quite a lot uh, about how you uh, uh, go about creating your documentation and different processes uh, involved in making sure it's of high standards. Um, So is there any other um, uh, way you measure the quality of your documentation? Yes, Uh, we do. We do use quite a few different stats to kind of monitor what's happening with the user. Um, I, I know self-service score is a very common thread, uh, when it comes to help centers and I see the positives in it. Um, and I do keep track of it, but I also kind of see the negatives as well, because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of outlying factors that contribute to self-service score, right? So, um, if, I mean, if anyone's not familiar, self-service score is the number of tickets opened by, or sent, not opened, sent to the support team by a unique user, divided by the unique visitors to um, your knowledge base, or sorry, the other way around, the unique visitors to your knowledge base divided by the unique number of tickets sent by an end user, mm-hmm. and, which is great. It's a great stat to monitor to see how many people are able to use your self-service documents because they're not reaching out with tickets, but 
Um, if you just look at that example, there's a few, there's other, there's other factors that might contribute to that. So, you know, you might have a really low number of people submitting tickets, but maybe they're having a hard time finding how to submit a ticket from your knowledge base, or maybe their your documentation isn't clear enough. So they are, you know, bouncing. They're like, yeah, nope, done. I can't figure out this answer. So I give up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a really great self-service score, but it may also be that it's just because people are giving up. <laughs> so, um, I keep track of it, but I also look at the other stats. So like, I'll look at Google analytics for bounce rate. So are people just landing and leaving, uh, the amount of time spent on a page. I really want to make sure that dense documents, the ones with videos, um, or FAQ pages that they're there for a while, you know, if they're there for under a minute or so, that's kind of a red flag for me saying, okay, um, why were they there under a minute? If it's an FAQ or video dense page, you know, are they not interacting with the videos? Uh, are they not, are they not finding the information they need? Uh, another one that we rely on is page views versus tickets over time. So, it would just be page views of the knowledge base in total. And we compare it to, oh, that's over uh, months. So right now I think it's over a 10 month period. We have it set up and we compare that to the number of tickets opened within that 10 month period. And what we do is we monitor the correlation. So obviously if, if we have an increase, you know, if we have an increase in page views of the knowledge base, a positive correlation, we want to see an, or, we, or a positive like slope. We want to see a negative slope when it comes to the number of tickets open. Because if more people are viewing our knowledge base, we want there to be a less number of tickets because we're solving those questions before they even have a chance to ask them. Um, and then the other, the biggest one that we rely on is, isn't necessarily numeral based. It's our incoming feedback widget. Uh, it's one of the tools that we have within Hotjar. And it's a little a little smiley face guy that lives on the side of our documentation and the user will click on it and it's emoji scale from hate to love and people can give back their feedback for that particular document. So if something's unclear or something's missing, they can say, oh, I hate this. And they'll say, you know, you didn't, you didn't tell me X, Y, and Z. And so those will come directly to us and we can say, oh, you know what? We are missing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we can go to that documentation add those elements that that user said was missing and really work quickly off the feedback that we're getting from the documentation. And so we, you can kind of measure the health of a page by if if it started out with getting some negative feedback saying it needs to be improved, then over time you kind of see it being happy faces and (laughs) positive comments um, and compliments like, Oh, this is really clear. Thank you. Um, and so we use that as a guide. And I guess the, the last one, we, we were in Zendesk for our knowledge base. And they have a voting system at the bottom of the page saying, you know, was this article useful? Thumbs up, thumbs down. And when we, when we make changes to documentation, we'll kind of take note of what the current, and we'll call it, we call it an acceptance, approval rating, acceptance rating, what the current one is. Um, and then as we make changes to the documentation, if it's a big change, we'll kind of monitor it for the next few weeks to see how the acceptance rating changes. And we hope to see a positive change. So we hope to see that more people start giving us thumbs up for that particular page. Super. Very, very nice to hear this, uh, Carissa. 
So um, I, I'm sure you might, might be doing this. Um, any organic uh, search traffic from your knowledge base uh, you're currently generating? Yeah, actually. Um, and it's interesting because we knew we knew for a while that a lot of our search or a good portion of our search or incoming traffic was organic searching and um, marketing had reached out to us because <laughs> when we were doing the documentation edit or audit, sorry, not edit, um, we were archiving a bunch of documents because their page views were maybe like six page views over the past six months, you know, something silly like that. Mm-hmm. And um, marketing were just like, um, so you removed, you know, this document and that was our huge, a huge, like number one, when people searched for this term, um, can you put it back? And we were like, oh, oh, of course, you know? So it's just, it was really, that was kind of our, the moment where we were thinking, okay, maybe we really should pay attention to organic, <laughs> organic traffic, especially with search terms. And so we asked our, we asked the marketing department to give us access to um, Google search console which looks at number of clicks and impressions based on keywords that people are searching within Google to make sure that, to see how much power each of the documents actually have within Google. Um, Mm -hmm. And since we've done that, it's really nice because you can see the top search terms that we're relating to Hotjar and get an idea of, okay, you know, maybe our documentation for, for example, one of our highest search terms is Hotjar API. So maybe our documentation over API isn't as strong as we think it is um, since you know, a lot of people are searching for that or um, or not even as strong as we think it is, but maybe we should go and make sure that it isn't weak since a lot of people are searching for that and we want to make sure that they're finding the information they need. Um, but yeah, that Google Search Console um, or actually asking marketing and asking your marketing team to help with organic traffic is, is fairly essential to make sure that you're getting all those stats to really help focus your documentation. Super, super. So let's uh, finish off with our rapid fire round. So who Uh, have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? Other documentation managers. Um, uh, When I started each year, or I guess each year, the past two years, at the beginning of the year, I've been doing interviews with other documentarians in the community from Slack, from Support Driven, from Write the Docs. And um, just, I've been doing about 10 a year and doing one-on-one interviews with them and asking them, you know, their structure, what their workflow looks like, any tips and tricks they have, what tools they use. And just, it's funny because a lot of people will think like, oh, I'm really not that interesting. I'm sure you've heard of all before, but every single interview I've done so far, I've learned something completely off base that I never even thought of in my mind. So (laughs) definitely reaching out to other people in the community is essential and don't be afraid because people will help you 100% of the time. Great. So can you share a documentation related resource you have consumed recently? Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm, I like, I like reading, I like reading different books, not necessarily about knowledge, uh, knowledge-based management. Um, cause I think it's really important to pay attention to like UX content creation. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that all kind of plays in to the help center. And then the one that I recently read was um, Designing Connected Content, and it's by uh, Carrie Hain and Mike Atherton. And they're 
the main goal of the book is to help with content creation. Um, and it's, I mean, it's typically aimed at towards marketers that are creating like blog posts um, or copy for web pages. But th- I mean, I would say about 85% of it pertains to help center knowledge-based management. And so it, it's really helpful with trying to find, define a structure of how your knowledge base is set up and how content is created for that knowledge base. Um, and I've already started like implementing a bunch of the stuff mentioned in that book for our knowledge base. Very nice. So what is that one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Ask for help. Um, It's, it's not, it's not bad if you don't know something. Um, It's not, you kind of go into positions that you're new or you kind of with that stigma of if I ask for help I look weak and that's the complete opposite I mean if you ask for help you're not being weak you're actually showing hey I'm comfortable in the fact that I don't know something and I want to make sure that I know it and I can keep growing so I'm going to ask you this question and um, like I said like it's just especially with the interviews I've been doing um, or I do each year with other documentations like if someone says something that I don't understand I immediately ask you know, this might sound dumb, but I don't know what that is. Can you please explain it to me? And it just helps you grow and grow and grow and grow rather than, you know, secretly Googling things because you don't know what they are. <laughs> um, it's, it's just really important. And I definitely would kind of feed that into my brain that it's okay to ask questions and you need to ask for help. Fantastic. Fantastic, Carissa. So I would like to quickly summarize or highlight some of the points that you shared with us today in this podcast. Um, The way you took over the responsibility of owning the documentation for Hotjar is really um, high on on your uh, quality. You just... uh, uh, took the opportunity uh, when it, when there were no ownership. And uh, the most uh, uh, stunning point that you shared today was the uh, listening to your customers, you voice of the customers you share with other team members to create your documentation. And of course, every documentation goes through a vigorous process from what I understood from the conversation you did with us now and the way you analyze the documentations with, uh, documents visited by your customers again with with the wholehearted uh, uh, willingness to improve the way the content is uh, being published to help your customers so these are some of the points that i would like to highlight in the podcast are there any other points you want to share with uh, with us today carissa i mean no that's about it again if i like and i i'm sound like I repeat this constantly, but definitely reach out to the community, reach out. Um, there's a great Slack. If anyone's not familiar, write the docs. Um, they have conferences in the States, Australia, and Europe each year. Um, that's a great resource to keep your learning um, up to date and know all trends that are coming up within the help center and knowledge-based area. Um, and even support-driven, uh, if, even if you're not in support or you're based in support is really great because they have a really great perspective of knowledge-based management um, with the customer in mind um, and keeping them front and center. 
Very nice. Thank you. So once again, I appreciate your time uh, spent with us today for this Knowledge Based Ninjas podcast. And it was a great pleasure having you today. And I hope you have a great day ahead. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you so much for having me. Good day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.